All right. So everybody, welcome back uh, for another episode of the Crusader Foundation. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Mike Olasky. Uh, I will give him a brief intro and then I really want him to kind of fill in the blanks there. Uh, Olasky is a five-time MMA champion. He's an actor, martial arts instructor, world traveler, and uh, philosopher. So as far as that goes, he's kind of a modern renaissance man. Um, and today I'm also joined by my colleagues, William Talon and Chains, and as usual, I am Saint. Um, so really, uh, I guess, Mike, first off, just go ahead and give an introduction for yourself and say what you want to say about yourself. Oh, God, I can't think of anything more becoming than the intro you already gave me. Uh, <laughs> man, jeez. If you can't see the video, I'm like, I'm popping my collar right now. It's just made yeah, me so steaming. Um, you should but, have heard uh, his first one. <laughs> okay, good. Well, now I'm going to have to have you text me that. Um, I might just use it for my for my bio going forward. No, I uh, I spent the majority of my life um, learning martial arts and applying martial arts. Um, and currently, I am training um, ideally the next generation of martial artists. Uh, my martial arts schools in Utah and Los Angeles pretty much specialize in teaching kids martial arts. Um, that's kind of what we do the best. And we also do adult martial arts, but I would say that we're probably best known for um, teaching kids not only how to be confident, how to be safe, but also um, how to use martial arts in an applicable way. Uh, part of the reason why I got into the business of martial arts ownership was because a lot of the times martial arts likes to focus on purely just the kind of... Um, Self-indulgent? No, that's probably the wrong word. The self-confidence aspect of martial arts, um, but they don't tend to really give you the nuts and bolts of how to actually defend yourself, things that are actually going to work. Um, they, for lack of a better term, they're participation, participation trophy gyms. And I really wanted to turn that back around to the more traditional style of martial arts that I grew up with, which is the amount of success you get is pretty much based on the amount of hard work and discipline that you're able to put into it. So that's what we're working on. We're trying to, we're trying to um, you know, sway that public consciousness in that way, especially for kids. And um, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm here doing this interview, I guess. <laughs> that is awesome. And, and honestly, that entire concept is, goes back to um, your acting career as well with the Ranger Academy. I mean, that's, that is an awesome element. So go into that for me. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so the martial arts schools themselves, um, we, we focus on the Power Ranger aspect. For those of you who don't know, I was the last original Power Ranger in season two and season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, God, 25 some odd years ago. Um, and uh, one of the things that we strive to do here um, with, the, with the Ranger Academy is we like to, um, we like to kind of uh, motivate kids, entice kids into studying martial arts by getting them excited and using that that Power Rangers um, Hollywood side of my life. And then for lack of a better term, sort of do a bait and switch and teach them the things that made me a five-time mixed martial artist, um, you know, traveling the world, teaching people like special forces and, you know, French Secret Service and all of that stuff. Um, all of those lessons. So, you know, we bring them in for one thing, we get them nice and excited and entrenched in becoming martial artists, and then we kind of switch it over and show them that the, that the hard work and discipline, the idea that hard work pays off. And that's, that's what really the goal is. That is outstanding. I mean, really that builds into kids, just foundations that are going to carry them all through life, not just martial arts, but having a physical skill set to tie those virtues and ethics to is 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 huge well correct um, and you know when, when it comes to martial arts i think that there's a lot of things that um kids can do nowadays that don't really apply to their adult lives but when it comes to uh martial arts you know you're always going to want to be able to defend yourself whether you're five years old or you're 35 years old um, you know, I always, I always joke with parents, um, especially here in the state of Utah, it's such a big football state. And it's like, when's the last time you used your college football? And, uh, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't really come up. <laughs> uh, one of the great things to give your kids, I believe, is the gift of martial arts. Cause I think they can, they can use it forever. 
That is outstanding. And you actually come from, I know I've joked around with you a little bit just on social media from like the Socrates, Plato and Aristotle of the, of the martial arts instructions directly from Bruce Lee himself. Correct. Yeah. So um, my uh, adoptive parents, uh, Ron Balicki and Diana Lee and Asano are really big um, in the martial arts industry. Um, Diana Lee and Asano specifically daughter of uh, Dan and Asano, number one protege of um, Bruce Lee. So I'm, I'm very, I'm quite fortunate to have um, not only the martial aspect in the sense that, you know, we can actually get down and dirty and, and throw bones if we have to, but the art aspect, which, um, you know, I don't, I don't own a philosophy degree by any, uh, by any means of the word, um, but I, I certainly am entrenched in, in the martial arts philosophy. That is outstanding. And that's, so we got Bruce Lee on the one side and the Red Ranger on the other. Man, you got the, you got your bases covered. So, uh, so <laughs> there's your, your right there, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's it. That's it. It's morphing time. So, um, so as far as it goes, what, what, if anything, kind of drew you more towards the aspect of kids? I know you kind of touched on it briefly, but I mean, the martial arts industry, if I can even use that term, Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be kind of geared more these days towards you know that <clears throat> uh, almost all I don't, I don't even know what what word to call it. you you'd have a better term for it than I would but the whole thing of like you know learn these twelve techniques to destroy Navy SEAL special forces or you know the the techniques the they don't want the SAS to know so yeah they, they, yeah so so basically what you're referring to. And I had, um, you know, growing up in the Hollywood machine for so long, I definitely had my experience with um, probably the top salesmen in the industry, right? I mean, if, any, if you're, if you're going to be a salesman, you can be a furniture salesman, you can be a car salesman, you can go as high as being, you know, a Hollywood agent. Um, sure. But... And, that, and that's really what it comes down to is I think that martial arts um, these days can often be overwhelmed with that sales aspect of things. And as a business owner, I completely understand it, right? Because we need to get people in the doors. Um, but at the same time, I think that they depend too much on that lore of, of the sale. And that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're referring to, right? The 12 things yeah. that you need to know to be able to defeat Muhammad Ali. Right, um, exactly. That, that's, that's all a sales shit. Um, that's to get somebody in the door. Um, I tend to believe that uh, kids love martial arts because they're doing cool things with cool people. And one of the things that I try to refrain from are things like those absolutist terms. Things like, uh, oh, you can beat anyone if you know just this one move, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think those are the tricks that people who aren't good martial artists and aren't good teachers use to get students. Um, I like to think of myself as a competent martial artist. I like to think of myself as a good teacher. So rather than use those terms, my goal is to inspire kids to want to learn hard. Um, In Utah, there's uh, the faith of the the Mormon religion. They call it the... Mm -hmm. Saturday Saints, one of, one of their sayings is milk before the meat. And I think that's something that they got right. So you, you start with your appetizer and then you give more. And if you do that and you structure your curriculum correctly, I think that you can keep a kid entrenched, excited about it without having to resort to, you know, P.T. Barnum style marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and behind that, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got your background as an MMA champion and as, as being uh, part of, I, I guess, what kids even, even today, you know, who doesn't know about the Power Rangers? You know, I mean, that's yeah, something that's, that. That's something that I'm very privileged um, to have, to have been a part of, especially so young in my life. You know, I talked to so many um, I, I actually travel around the United States to like martial arts studios and do um, Power Ranger sword seminars for kids to kind of get them excited um, into martial arts. So they'll, they'll basically just fly me out, put me in a hotel, and then, you know, I'll, I'll do like an a intro program for, for new kids to get in. And it's just a way to, you know, give back to not only the kids, but like the martial arts community. Um, but one of the things that they often say to me is that, 
is that like, oh, Mike, you get to get away with so much because you're in Power Rangers <laughs> and because you're in Ninjas. Like, because I don't really have the luxury to, to not say the things that I have to say <laughs> I want to. And uh, it just, it makes me so sad. <laughs> uh, no, that is fantastic. And and I guess mainly the reason that I'm laying all, the, all this foundation with just the kids and the Rangers and everything else is because I mean, as you know, and as we talked, uh, our side of the of the coin is actually protecting kids from being victims, which, I mean, you're covering that um, basics with giving them fundamental real world skills and just that mindset that, that says that, hey, I can overcome this situation and that I have the ability to defend myself. Um, yeah. So when it comes to, when it comes to the mindset specifically, I think in my opinion, and you guys can feel free to disagree based on your experience because obviously, you know, I've had a lot of time in Hollywood and I've had a lot of time in martial arts and I've trained a lot of people, but I, I don't have any time in the field. So if I'm out, if I'm out of base, feel free to disagree entirely. Um, but I think the mindset, in my opinion, is what is the most important. Because I, as I always tell parents and I always tell kids, you know, if you think that a 65-year-old, or excuse me, a 65-pound you know, 12 year old is going to be able to defend themselves against a 35 year old man who is hell bent on taking them, then you don't mm -hmm. need martial arts lessons, you need physics lessons, right? Mm -hmm. So what our goal is, is our goal is to create confident kids who are less likely to be victimized and to create a um, compassionate and safe place for kids to be able to express themselves and tell them and tell superiors without judgment um, what's going on. Because mm -hmm. the era of stranger danger was, you know, what, 1980s? But I mean, if you, and correct me if I'm wrong, this, the statistics of the majority of, of people who are likely to victimize a child are people that they know. Absolutely, so 100%. The goal really is to create an environment where a kid can feel free to be a damn tattletale forgive me <laughs> and um and to create kids that are confident enough to hold their head up to where you know people are unlikely to victimize them and gosh you know i hate saying it in these terms but are likely to pick somebody else not the person who they know mm -hmm. are going to are, have a fam strong familial background that they can tell on no that's 100 percent. i i mean down the line i agree with that completely just just in terms because as far as what we see, even kids with families, sometimes it's even hard uh, for kids to relate to their own parents or to their biological family structures and having um, a pack, as it were, that has adopted them in and where they feel like they have a part of a lot of times. And, and you know, they say teachers are from schools and stuff are, are helping with that. But having that extracurricular family that gives them that safe space to say, hey, look, I've got an issue. Yeah, that's just creating hard targets, you know, specifics aside, it's creating hard targets. Yeah. And I, I, I can see how that works. You know, I grew up, um, I grew up with a, um, with obviously a genetic family. And then I grew up with a, sort of an adopted family and the mentors are always sort of who you go to when you are embarrassed or worried about telling parents and um, the, my mentors, Ron, Diana, Ron and Diana, are obviously, they were, you know, they were, they were parents at my weddings. They, they got the same things as, as, my, as my father did. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that just having somebody close to be able to rely on, whether it's, you know, whether it's your parents or whether it's your mentors, um, is very important to me. And, and part of the, my program, which is why I call myself more so than a, uh, a martial arts instructor but a martial arts mentor is is that kind of thing you know i'm mm. hard i'm all business but when it comes down to it you know you can you can tell me some stuff <laughs> yeah i need to hear it right yeah absolutely that's and that's i mean just from our experiences we've seen that kids who have those types of be it mentors uh parents, teachers, whatever that figure is in their life, they are very rarely targeted just because they have that, that uh, support structure for them. 
And uh, as far as that goes too, I know you do some work with the LGBTQ community, uh, minorities and so on with the Ranger um, whole aspect. And I know that we have seen where, you know, that particular minority group is heavily targeted um, for abuses and for being exploited. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that and just, you know, kind of throw that out there that you work with that whole uh, minority group as well. Um, and I don't know, is there anything in particular that you've seen with any of the minority groups you work with um, that would be more so like, yeah, they're, they're more prone to being victimized because they are that minority? Yeah, so I mean, the, L the LGBTQ community is, um, is something that I kind of stumbled into. It wasn't, it wasn't something like they, they seeked me out, stuck me out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the, the correct colloquialism. <laughs> we'll go, um, we'll but, go with it. Um, but if they, yeah, and uh, I, I appeared in um, a movie called The Sensei, um, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime. And uh, I, that, through that, I worked closely with the Matthew Shepard Foundation, and um, they're huge. They're huge advocates um, for obvious reasons. I would suggest looking looking them up and donating. But um, I, I grew up in West Hollywood, so. Being, you know, being part of that community was just normal for me. Um, not really seeing, I don't, I didn't, I just didn't understand how there's bigotry to that. There's just these people that exist. Mm -hmm. um, and then through the Matthew Shepard Foundation, I got supremely educated. And then Power Rangers, oddly enough, has a huge LGBT following that I didn't even know existed. And um, when I kind of recently got into like the Comic-Con scene and making appearances and stuff, um, they really gravitated towards me because obviously of my, you know, my acceptance and, and my past work and stuff. Mm -hmm. And really what I think it comes down to is any group is pretty concise with just acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, have, I have a brother with autism and the best thing for him is acceptance. Um, I have friends who are LGBTQ and the best thing for them is acceptance. Mm -hmm. Isn't it strange how is, if everybody's accepted for who they are and you look at problems as problems not coming from the person, then all of a sudden you are able to blossom a flower, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's even been, I know, I don't know if Chains wants to chime in on this one at all but i know that we've seen even with certain investigations and rescues that we've worked with that it's always been you know finding a, a placement for them you know has been an issue where people just kind of choke you know you sit there and you're like, oh it's terrible i would love to hear james's thoughts on that absolutely yeah, people, people don't know how to handle it at all in any way shape or form they really don't and yeah. a lot of it we notice with some of the people we've we've had to go and and recover is it's an issue of their self-esteem, they get so beat up or, or so beat down mentally that they just don't know how to, to even understand it when acceptance does come their way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, being devalued as a person, I think is, is what the problem really is. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's what, I think that's what people who are potential victimizers tend to do, whether they just do it casually in everyday relationships or they do it um, from a business perspective when it comes mm -hmm. to human trafficking um i hate i hate putting in those terms it feels sick in my mouth but um, <laughs> from a business perspective right there's a reason yep. why they do it and uh i think that va putting value on people in general um for who they are is what's really going to help qualm those situations and, and allow people to really fight back um, mm -hmm. because if you have, if you have a kind of like a base value, um, doesn't matter what you're going through. Um, ideally you look to fight back based on that base value, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, all about, it's all about self-esteem really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's whether or not you think you're worth it, yes. anything. Right. Um, and self and self-esteem is a big part of that. And that's what we work at here um, with the with the Ranger Academy is not only not only just self-esteem, because I feel like a martial a lot of martial arts studios are very big on mantras, um, which are great. <laughs> yeah. You know, looking right. into you, looking into the mirror and saying, yes, I can. 
you're strong, you're beautiful. All of that stuff I think is very important. But I think confidence comes from ability. And I think that's where I differ from most other martial arts studios or martial arts teachers, and perhaps why I might be a more interesting conversation in, in this regard, is because it, you can say the same thing over and over again, but if you can't back yourself up, then even in the back of your head, there's somebody, there's somebody chirping in that, saying, that says you can't. So what we've created here is a program where kids can go through and they, they learn valuable goal settings and they achieve those goals, but those goals aren't just flat. Those goals are based on something, right? Competition, mm -hmm. um, winning, losing. You know, you can win, you can lose, but you can still progress. And mm -hmm. when you have the ability to, to back up those statements of yes, I can, and you're confident in being able to back those up, now all of a sudden, you've got a completely different kid, right? It's very different than a kid who just screams very loudly like we did in the <laughs> Um, and I was one of those kids. Screams so. meant apparently screams meant confidence in the nineties. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, I'm I'm the worst of them. I definitely did all of those uh, musical kata combinations. How I got discovered in Hollywood, but um, what my goal is to create kids who who can not only be confident enough to say I will punch you in the face but be confident enough to actually punch somebody in the face. Those are the <laughs> two, those are the two things. <laughs> that's awesome. That is fantastic. And yeah, you're, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. That is very different from the majority of what you see even advertised uh, across the nation or even, even across the world. I've had the opportunity, probably not as extensively as you have, but to, to train with various uh, martial arts and, and close quarter combat institutions across the across the world but you do see that quite a bit where it's here's the theory of, of how we're going to punch you in the face but never mind the actual application of it exactly people people oftentimes concentrate on theory over application when the idea of the scientific process was both right yes exactly well exactly. real world applications always help you know what was that Real world application always helps. Exactly. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's what builds confidence. It's, it's mm -hmm. like anything. Well, I, yeah. the thing I'm really enamored by with what you're doing with the Ranger Academy is the fact that you're getting these, you're getting these youngsters off of the couch. You're, you're getting them out from in front of a television screen. You know, you're getting them actual physical activity. You're, you're helping them with so much more that society in this day and age doesn't, now everybody's content with just parking their parking their kids in front of a in front of an Xbox. Yeah. And and I, I I see that too. And you know, I don't have kids of my own. I mean, well, it depends. I mean, I, I joke with my wife and, and other people, they're always asking, Do you have kids? So I was like, Well, I have hundreds of kids. I own two martial arts studios. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I completely understand and I think that I the only thing that I would change in that statement is that I actually think that um, video games and television actually helps if you have the right, if you have the right coach, because you, I mean, like I said, you'd be surprised at how many kids haven't done anything. They have, they've expressed no interest in any kind of physical activity, sports or whatever. And dads, especially in Utah come up to me and it's like, he saw the fact that you were in Power Rangers and he watches it on Netflix all the time. And I'm just excited that he's stoked to try something physical, hmm. right? I mean, you would be surprised that if you can leverage that, the, the interest in video games, interest in movies the correct way, that kids are actually interested in being physical. So um, my advice, I guess, to parents whom aren't close to me, obviously, is to find what aspects that are actually interesting in these video games that their kids like. Because if, you know what, if a kid is playing Red Dead Redemption nine hours a day because they think cowboys are cool, well then, you know what, go and sign them up for shooting lessons. I mm -hmm. guarantee you they'll be stoked out of their mind, right? Um, that's what got me involved in martial arts. I saw Bruce Lee kicking ass, and I was like, well, I want to do that. 
It's a reoccurring thing, and I tell parents all the time. The reason I'm in martial arts today is because I read comic books as a kid. And I read Batman, and I was like, well, if I'm going to be a superhero, then I need to learn how to fight. So I need to take martial arts lessons. That's what motivated me. And in a five-year-old's mind, that's how it works. So use that, the, whatever they're interested in, as a catalyst to get them involved into something physical. And that's, that's my main advice. That's great. Yeah, that was fantastic. And thank you. I, know, I curtsy, but I'm already sitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and actually, that is that is a that's a segue kind of uh, into the other aspect of of kind of why we wanted to get some perspective from you. Um, within the month of April is uh, what is infamously known as Alice Day, uh, and not not the actress, um, but the uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the the twenty-fifth uh, of April is unfortunately um, an unofficial holiday, and I'm using ginormous air quotes around that term um, for for uh, pedophiles, those who are of the the pedophilic persuasion. And um, unfortunately, we throughout the last oh I don't know seven years or better that we've actually been actively uh, engaging in, in this fight as the Crusader Foundation. Um, we've seen increases in just the overall victimization, especially around this time of year, um, as people don't take this issue seriously, especially as they don't take their kids seriously. Um, or, you know, like you were mentioning, they don't, they don't play to their kids' interests. They're just happy that they're not bothering them. Right, um, right. And, and so at this time of year, we like to really emphasize this fact of the value of that next generation of, of what they can give. Cause I mean, they're going to be our next doctors, lawyers, politicians, scientists, and everything else. And if they're not inspired by something now, um, then, you know, and you're just basically saying, Hey, just as long as you are not a problem, well, then they're going to be somebody else's victim, you know? And so it's as far as as far as for this particular time of month, this is a particularly important message uh, to parents or to those guardians or those mentors to pay attention to those kids, to to find those ways to connect with them, give them something to devote themselves to that gives them that sense of accomplishment, that sense of value. And not just like you mentioned at the beginning, not just the participation trophy. Uh, style of, of evaluation, but um, because these types of threats exist in a very real way and statistically and measurably, it's, it's increasing as we go forward. So, you know, having things like the Ranger Academy that are, that are coming forward and saying, hey, we actually have these opportunities for kids is highly encouraging. So, yeah. So I think, I think that when it comes to um, when it comes to kids being lured away by what I think is um, the situation, and you'll have to forgive me because obviously the only thing I, I know I know about this is is coming from a martial arts uh, martial arts teacher perspective. I'm definitely mm -hmm. not entrenched in the way that you guys are, um, so forgive me if this is misstepping. But the goal is to give kids a sense of self-worth that isn't found through somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. um, that kids have value and accomplishment outside of somebody that you don't want them to, regardless as to what time of month it is. Um, what a lot of people might not know, I mean, a lot of people, most people would not know because they don't have an intense <laughs> personal um, the kind of vision on my life um, as as a preteen about 12 years old I believe it was uh, maybe it was after three ninjas I don't know but um, I was invited to Neverland Ranch and um, I know there's like a lot of HBO stuff going on right now about you know Michael Jackson and everything like that and I don't I don't know 
um, anything. I don't know whether or not those things are true. I can't mm. verify whether or not those things are true. All I can say is that there were rumors going around um, in Hollywood at that time. And um, at that point, I, w I was invited to come down. And mm. uh, thankfully for me, my father, uh, having been a Green Beret in the military, um, very suspicious character, uh, <laughs> very, very confident in his own um, personal sort of uh, sort of acumen. Um, basically, he just straight up said no. He was like, you know, obviously Michael Jackson was the biggest star of that time, and mm. my dad was like, yeah, no, absolutely, that's not going to happen. No, no, <laughs> that my son is going down the Neverland Ranch. And I don't, I don't use this as a story of uh, victim blaming. And that's like, that's the most important thing that I want to get out is mm -hmm. that I'm not saying that anybody who, you know, was entrapped by that or enamored by that is wrong or they're silly or anything like that. Um, all I'm saying is that, uh, is that my father pretty much put an X to that right off the bat. And he was hmm. like, no, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this. And it, I don't think that this is okay. And, um, you know, at that time I was 12 and absolutely in love with Michael Jackson. So I'd have been like, yeah, well, how dare you? Why wouldn't you like <laughs> go down and meet Michael Jackson? And uh, now as like a, as a, as a 30, as a 37 year old, I'm watching these documentaries and I'm like, holy crap um, it, and the basically the moral of the story isn't anything except for just take it just take control right mm -hmm. um i'm so grateful for my father and a lot of things and just taking control and saying no i don't i'm not comfortable with this and if you're and if you miss an opportunity because you're uncomfortable then that's what happens but you can also, I mean, I'm, I'm living a great life. I'm married to a great woman and I'm teaching tons of kids. And I'm having a, a whole lot of fun. And guess what? I never met Michael Jackson and bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no, real I broken mean, up about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as big a deal as you think it is, guys. Like in the moment you think it's a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no, and, and that goes back to your point about, you know, you said as that martial arts mentor, you're hard and demanding when when you're talking about the art and getting the concepts and, and the philosophy and the application down, but you're still that individual who has the child's best interest at heart. And, you know, that goes to that whole thing of, of sometimes those mentors have to be in that position where, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to make a kid aware of necessarily the specifics or even sometimes even the general of what the dangers are because let a kid be a kid you know let them let them retain what they can uh in this information driven age um but you know hey when you're in that position going out to those parents and mentors who might be listening in be prepared to sometimes be viewed as something of an enemy or a killjoy but you're well, doing it because you're in that position Absolutely. And I feel like one of my primary jobs is, is you know, parents, um, parents should have an undying love for their kid and, and an undying support. But what I've always loved about being a mentor, and maybe, maybe I'll be a father one day, maybe I won't, I'm not ruling it out either way. But one of the things that I've always loved about being a mentor is that a mentor is the type of love that you've got to earn. And then when you earn it, if they're a good mentor, you find out you never needed it. Hmm. Wow, that's good. I I got nothing on that one. Hey, you guys want to chime in? Because that was, that was good. I got to process that one for a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to is um, – I think I think that's what the important concept of a mentor is, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be a martial arts mentor. It doesn't have to be um, anything super auspicious. Uh, the way the kind of lore that martial arts has, it can it can also be um, you know a, a dance coach or a football coach or an uncle. It can be anything. 
Um, I think that I do think that raising a child takes a village. Um, and I always think that parents should always keep their mind open, just not so open that their brain fall, falls out, as my dad would <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's awesome. I've heard of uh, that Yeah. <laughs> Well, my, I think that's that's where I that's where I kind of um, that's where my dad kind of came into play, right? Especially when it comes to like Hollywood situations and stuff like that. It's very easy to be enamored, and I think that's that's the quote that you know he told me that really that really solidified everything, kind of brain, brought everything um, back three sixty. Is he was like, you know, like everything's really cool down there, and you've got to be. You, you just got to have your mind open, but not so open to where your brain falls out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how, you know, that's how I never met Michael Jackson. The long story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that is, no, that's really, that's a really good point. I mean, overall, that's just a solid philosophy to have um, for kids. I mean, it's the little things that, that if done, they just, go towards preventing a lot of times a lot of potential world of hurt or victimization that we see. Um, yeah, I, and I know we're getting close to having you with us for an hour, so I don't want to drag this on over long. I've run out of questions, but if you have anything specific you want to go further into or any of my colleagues have something specific, or if you even have any questions for us, fire away. This, this is ad lib time. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything specific, um, you know, as far as questions go for you guys, I think in, um, in, in my conversations, uh, with the saint himself, I think I get, I think I get a lot of, of interesting back and forth. Um, I think that, uh, what I can probably learn more about is, um, how to be, uh, more, I should say serious about uh, the job of being a protector against a potential threat because I don't think that when I when I talk to the saint and I learn more and more about what the Crusader Foundation actually does on a day-to-day -day basis um, I feel like I don't really uh, I never really understood how serious of a problem this actually was so i guess um even though the floor was on me for a while as as your as your esteemed guest quote unquote i would like <laughs> to i would like to turn the the tables and be like i mean what are we what are we actually dealing with like what what type of stuff are you guys actually doing um so that we understand like how serious the situation is like what what is a typical um I don't know, raid, what, what's the right word for it? Um, yeah. What's the yeah, thing that you guys do? Yeah. I don't know. Change, do you want to take that or do uh, you want me to? No, because I'm more in the dark and dirty shit that we do. So it, yeah, the, the more PC stuff is kind of your thing to do. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Oh, it, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bus field state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, the problem is, is very widespread. Um, there, are, there are no communities left where I would say it's not come in some shape or form. And when I say that, I'm, I'm referencing all the aspects of, of, honestly, sexual exploitation as a whole, um, which that can include, you know, your, your multimedia platforms, what have you. Um, you know, it, it just is like the entire big knotted up mess as a whole. Um, we referenced Alice State, which has to do specifically with the with the child molestation, the pedophilic aspect. Um, we've got human trafficking, which is kind of our core uh, our core mission, which which is you know buying and selling of humans for for sexual gratification or for even labor uh, labor issues as well. There that still exists, although not not quite as in the magnitude as the as the sexual exploitation aspect. Um, we get the the virtual exploitation you know with with um, sexting hostages and so on um, so overall you just have it where the potential for your loved ones your children especially to be victimized in some way um, is is very high uh, you know and and we make the joke frequently that this isn't taken um, you know the film taken uh, but at the same time it is uh, because we do 
all the time. I, I can't really go into like specific, like, Hey, this happened yesterday, but right. uh, you know, it, it's often enough where we can literally say the situations like taken do occur. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that that's where I feel like a lot of people tend to focus is they're looking for those Hollywood esque type of thrillers to kind of hang their hat on and look at in terms of that's what trafficking is. But in reality, it's the day to day. It's the, uh, like just yesterday I was dealing with, uh, with a conversation with a mother who her 17 year old daughter, which in the state I'm working in right now, that is they're legally able to make their own decisions. Uh, she met somebody on a dating website and mom hadn't heard from her for 48 hours. To me, that's extremely suspect. Um, mm. So, you know, you begin looking at that and we, we immediately approach it as this is a potentially really bad situation. Um, and you get where, you know, maybe seven out of 10 times that those types of scenarios come down. It's not something bad, but those three out of 10, you know, you're looking at them and, you know, you're looking at a body, body recovery potentially. Um, but then you do get into the more, the more actual, like what Shane said, the, the dark and dirty stuff, which the uh, CTU division of Crusader Foundation handles. And those are consistently those types of cases where, um, again, you know, a lot of times it's minority groups um, that are targeted, um, people who don't have advocates. We work with a couple of uh, smaller organizations that provide paralegal services for um, uh, individuals without uh, status to stay in the country legally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so so you have those types of aspects where they're being exploited because their vulnerability is known and kids fall under that category as well those those really young uh young kids where the pedophiles you know grab them and 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 it's a situation where every second counts so um i know i'm being more vague i know that from the time that i started working with the crusader foundation to the present um my last personal case count was nearing 2000 um and that's missing and endangered and trafficked persons. Um, and that's just me. That, that's not all the other individuals who are engaged in the Crusader Foundation across the United States and in the, and in the couple of countries overseas that we have. Right. Um, so just, just in, I, I guess that's a very long-winded way to, to say that the problem is here. It's in your communities, but it is not un, it's not uncontestable. It's stuff that yep. things like what you're doing. Uh, things like parents just paying attention to their kids, things like them paying attention to what their kids are doing online, like actually engaging with them, uh, engaging with their teens and even with their college age kids, because it happens to kids on college campuses a lot. Um, You know, having those moments of engagement and those relationships and building those foundations of support structures just would reduce the problem massively. Um, but it is one of those things where it's very likely that you're going to come across it multiple times without necessarily knowing it as you go throughout the course of your life. And that's, that's very interesting. And, and say, if we can uh, flip the script from interviewee to interviewer for a second, because I feel like yeah, go. I have, I have a, a pretty, I think I, I think I have a question, if I can phrase it correctly, that I think a lot of people um, might have on their minds. And um, forgive me if it's not phrased correctly, because I don't mean it to be offensive, but anything. But you know what? Like, I'm a huge fan of Law & Order SVU. Feel free to Mm -hmm. laugh. Feel free to laugh. (laughs) No, no, that's Um, good. I I am too. (laughs) And uh, and I I do read a lot about things like, um, like, conspiracy and i feel like conspiracy envelops a lot of things um that can be true but to a lesser degree and because they're passed off as conspiracy um they don't quite meet the level of like public consciousness so Mm -hmm. like um how how seriously can we take this issue um given you know kind of like that SVU kind of dramatization coverage. And then sure. like, I think of one word specifically comes to mind when it comes to like, uh, when it comes to this whole idea of a ring is, is like Pizzagate. Like what, mm. how, how can we tell if something is, is a, like, a, like a real thing to actually worry about or just like this 
kind of conspiracy fantasy? Sure. No, that is actually a really good question because this is something that we run into frequently. Um, not even just people curious about the nature of the problem, but also in actual investigations, because, you know, you'll get uh, the concerned loved one uh, reporting party or, or what have you that looks at it. And as soon as the potential enters their mind that this might be a case of sexual exploitation or human trafficking, suddenly we're, you know, we're looking for hooded figures in black coats drinking blood out of chalices. Yes. And yeah, you know, and it's just, and, and here's what I will say. First off, yes, those things exist. Um, yes, those groups exist. Yes, those cults exist. But they are not in the position that people want to give them. And the reasons are, are a couple. And I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to find the shortest answer to this question, because really on that subject, we could go like a whole nother hour. That's um, fair. Just, just in terms of case study and things that we've run into. Because, I mean, I've been, uh, myself and Chains, actually, we went and we visited a site where this type of cultic ritualization, exploitation, and, uh, <clears throat> and murder actually took place. Um, so it does exist, but primarily, here's what I would say. Uh, uh, I'm going to use an analogy. That's what I'm going to do. So when, you go to, when you're walking and you go across the street, you look both ways. Mm -hmm. That is going to be the basic principle for protecting yourself and being aware of what's out there. Cars drive on the road, look both ways. Predators exist, those who will exploit exist, look both ways. What are the odds of a plane landing on the, on the road that you're getting ready to cross? They're not zero, but it's not gonna be common. Exactly. So, but still, look up for the plane. You know, right. it's, it's one of those things where if you see a plane coming and it looks, you know, suspiciously low, Maybe wait to see what happens before you walk onto the roadway. Um, well, and so back, statistically, back to your it's kind street, of like that. Back to your street analogy. If you're going to, even if it's a one-way street, you still look both ways. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yes. So, I mean, I, I would question. love to go into the... One more question. The, yeah, yeah, fire away. One more question. I'm going to give this a pause so that you can cut it out pretty easily. Okay. <laughs> One more question. Pause. Okay. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, I'm, I'm afraid to say that I don't like a certain uh, female politician because I want to be able to wake up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. I just wanted to give it a pause. <laughs> I thought that was fun to ask. Well, uh, Mike, there was a... But, you know, and you mentioned it about back in the 80s and things, you know, in uh, in the Midwest, there was a huge deal called the Franklin scandal mm -hmm. that, that started out with a credit union and a good old boy system. And the next thing you know, it reached all the way to the White House. Interesting. And, so that's a very well documented actual case that yeah. went all the way to the Supreme Court. So right. that's and something you were that mentioning is conspiracy theories and there was a lot of that out but a lot of people that tried to bring this to the forefront ended up disappearing you know so so, so what do you guys think i asked you a question <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say no okay i'm gonna say no he did not yeah. i'll say no and, and, you don't want me to suicide myself <laughs> i mean be suicided <laughs> <laughs> I know as many times as I've been behind bars and I've put people behind bars. Yeah, that's kind of strange for me. So, yeah, so, I don't see how so it happens. It's unlikely, is what you're Very. saying. Well, that's my. I mean, that's my opinion. But yeah, you know. and, and I do know. I, I I can just say that knowing knowing the uh, environment that that Epstein came from and knowing the potential of what was there. I can't say with any certainty what was there. It's, right. it's, it's just bizarre that there, you know, that he would have committed suicide because honestly, and this is coming from a legal perspective as, as a law student and as, as a law enforcement officer, um, I can just tell you that for him, he held all the cards. He could have gotten off cushy for the rest of his life. All I the mean, dots easily. Connect. Yeah, I mean, he had he had all the cards in his hand that if any deal he wanted to strike, he could have made it. 
Um, so there was no reason for him to commit suicide. So for me, the reasonableness of, of the action is kind of, is kind of what constitutes my suspicion there. So fair enough. I, I think, I don't, I don't think that that's anything out of the normal for anybody to <laughs> yeah. suggest and think. I don't think that's fringe conspiracy or anything at all. I just wanted no. to give you guys the leave what the leeway to cut out of this. Comical. That was comical. <laughs> now, that was great. You, got, you say you're in two different states now, correct? With your with your academy? Uh, yes. So um, the main academy or the, the the big academy is in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Um, the oh, we have a private academy in Los Angeles, California, as well, right in the heart downtown of. Burbank, where a lot of the auditions take place. Now, are you going to try to branch out more throughout the United States? I'm willing to do that. Um, I'm only one man, though. So um, when it comes down to, like, franchising and stuff, I, I've had a lot of interest. I've had a lot of curiosity in people talking about me opening up martial, martial arts schools in different areas and stuff, and I'm definitely open to that. Um, I have a system that allows that. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not people actually want to open up martial arts gyms on my behalf. Um, I don't think I really have a say in that, except for that, yeah, I, I can do it and I'm willing to do it, but uh, it, it really just comes down to other people wanting to open up Ranger Academies elsewhere, if that makes sense. I mean, we would, we would love to see it because of what you're doing. I mean, we are oh, absolutely 100% behind what you're doing. And, and that's why I'm asking that. I mean, if, if you could, I mean, a lot of people are content with just, okay, I've got one or two and that's all I'm going to do. Yeah. So that's why um, I'm if you're willing to grow it. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to like the idea of martial arts schools in general, I mean, there's, there are several different approaches to it. Um, my my approach is a very traditionalized approach, which is problematic from a business perspective. Right. Where like I would want somebody to actually train and understand the system before opening up versus other gyms are like, yeah, man, you got 50 K. Well, Go yeah, you're wanting to do it the right way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm definitely open to that idea, but that, I mean, that's kind of the problem with, with a system like this is I don't, I wouldn't say I'm content with two schools, but what I would say is I'm very, uh, I don't know, pedantic, if that's the right word. No, mm, that's not mm -hmm. the right word. I'm, I'm just very strict on the quality. So if somebody is like, hey, I think I can make a million dollars doing this, I don't know that I would care about that very much. Mm -hmm. More, more passing on your ideals, your, the whole reason you did this in the first place, if they well, yeah, that and value. You know what, like we do, we do, we call it the OMA Ranger Academy. And OMA stands for Olasky Martial Arts. And I'm an Olasky. My father was a Green Beret. My grandfather was an Irish boxer. And so was my great-grandfather. And there's a name that goes to that as well. So, mm. um, you know, there, there's a little bit of, of importance in, my, in, in my, my perspective that comes to it, making sure that, you know, if you want to join this, oh God, organization makes me feel like a, fucking mobster but um <laughs> you want if you want to be a part of this then then um i think you have to be on the you have to be on the same level of what we're trying to accomplish you know what i mean yes yes yeah. I, and i appreciate that i really do that's great to hear because like you said normally in this day and age it's yeah 50 grand and we're gonna run with it you know yeah, anybody uh, can open up a McDonald's if they have half a million dollars. And, right, and I mean, the quality starts going downhill, you know. Exactly. And you've got a name and a system that you are sticking behind, and that's just wonderful to hear. Oh, thank you. I mean, I've, I've picked my socks. Up, say. <laughs> you know, well, you, you don't. You don't, you know, you're not out there willing to settle for something less, and that's what's so great about it. Well, I hope so. And that's what we're working for. I mean, through this whole thing, I mean, we're just sitting on our bums right now with an empty gym, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know the feeling. But uh, otherwise, yeah, we're excited about the whole program. And uh, we got people in 
um, in New York, we've got people in Florida, we've got people, I mean, there's just people going around excited about the idea. It's just a matter of whether or not they're willing to fall in line with the kind of level of martial arts curriculum um, that we're, we're looking to apply to kids. And mm -hmm. the silliness is, is that we're, we're mo we, teach, we teach adults, but we're mostly concerned with kids. The kids' curriculum is the most important to us. Yeah, that is fantastic. And, and like Shane said, it's, it's one of those things where it's rare for us. If you ever listen to any of our other podcasts, you will find that we're probably on like one of the more negative side of just generally looking at the, at the world. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> never. So, so anytime we find something that we can legitimately get behind because we believe in it 110%, that's where we really like to do that, which is part of the reason we, we wanted to bring you on and do a podcast with you in, in the first place. So, oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's flattering. I'm glad, I'm glad to be on the positive side. At least. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the whole idea. We've talked about it before, like creating the target poor environment, making it so because we all know that if someone's evil, they can do an evil thing to a person, no matter what kind of preparations you take, but just making yourself less of a target, making your family less of a target, making your community less of a target, and just, and like you were saying, the confidence that you build in people and in kids helps them be less of a target because then they don't have victim written all over their forehead whenever they go anywhere. Right. Well, you guys hear me say that all the time is don't let yourself become a victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will bastardize that statement and, and bash it into victim blaming, but it's just, it, all it is is just taking proper precautions to make sure that you and your family are safe, you know? Oh, no, 100%. Um, and right. Right. and the fact that you touched on that. But I'm yeah, a, no, I'm so a I'm Neanderthal about things, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just going to mention, like, we even have a former victim who now works as part of our, our awareness and outreach team. Uh, her name, you know, her, her field name is Phoenix. And, uh, you know, she was one of those ones where I don't even know how many times she found herself in the same type of situation where she was being victimized. But if you talk to her, her mindset always was through that was, you know, ups and downs is that I'm, you know, I am a hard target. So, even though she didn't succeed, it wasn't the issue. You know, I, I'm really glad you said that about victim blaming because it can turn into that. But yes. even when you're in the middle of it, and this even goes back to something you mentioned earlier about it doesn't matter if you compete and fail, the fact that there's still progress that can be made. And I think that's, that's kind of is really good to put into that whole thing of make yourself a hard target, don't be a victim. The victimization starts in the mind because, you know, it, it, and you would know this coming from, from the martial arts and the, the actually competing MMA, as soon as you lose that battle in your mind, it doesn't matter how badly your face is getting pummeled. As soon as the battle's lost in your mind, you're done. Yeah, it's all done. And, you know, perhaps we can, we can end on this quote, and I might be misattributing it, but my father always told me that Miyamoto Musashi said, trust everybody, but never sell your sword. And that's the only type of message that I'm trying to push forth. Outstanding. Well, that is an excellent quote to end on. Michael Lasky, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Yes, Mike, and we appreciate you taking the time out. Hey, you guys, uh, you guys are doing, you guys are doing real work. I'm just doing, I'm just doing the preventative measure, measures. You guys are doing the aftermath. So, um, hey, it's 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 just as necessary, and, and all, in many ways more it's so. It's all needed, no matter how you look at it. It's all needed. Yep. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm glad to have talked to you guys. I learned a lot today. And, you know, maybe you guys did too. Just tell. Yeah, <laughs> Where can people absolutely. reach out and learn more about you, learn about the Rangers Academy, that kind of stuff? You know. Oh, good call. Um, social yeah. media stuff. That's all marketing. That's what we're doing this for. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, my name is Big Bang Michael Lasky, uh, last original Red Ranger, Colt from Three Ninjas. Um, if you live in the state of Utah, feel free to look me up at rangeracademyutah.com 
We also, we also have a private academy in Burbank, California. Social media tags, if you want to list these guys out, um, Instagram and, t- and Twitter are at BigBangMike underscore. Um, I'm also on TikTok. We have a lot of fun there at, at BigBangMike. And uh, Facebook is slash BigBangMikeRocks. And you could also find um, some fun stuff on YouTube if you're interested in martial arts martial arts history just search my name michael askey you'll probably find a few of my fights some of which i've won unfortunately some of which i've lost but there's also some cool entertainment on there as well outstanding yes all of those will be made available on the crusader foundation social media pages along with this with this interview and mike hopefully sometime down the road we'll get to do it again but until then you stay safe uh with the COVID and everything going on and can't wait to see what happens in the future with the Alaska Ranger Academy. Yeah, we're, we're excited as well. We're doing some great work here in Utah, and it looks like it's blowing up. So um, we're excited, and thank you for all of your guys' support, and we can't wait to talk camp.